So here's a question. In a world that keeps moving faster and faster, how do women leaders like us, women who want to make an impact in the world through our career or business and not sacrifice our home life, how do we create balance and fulfillment in our lives, both at work and at home, without facing burnout or constantly feeling like we're chasing an impossible dream? That's the question, and this show explores the answers. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and I'm on a mission to help women leaders break through burnout so that they can build the life and body they are worthy of and step into the awesome power of who they really are. I'm the Selfless Syndrome Mentor, a board-certified women's health and leadership coach and alternative medicine practitioner. I'm a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys and a furball, and I'm the founder of a rapidly growing women-centered coaching business. Stick around because on this show, you'll learn how to create the life, body, and career you've always dreamed of without having to sacrifice who you really are. Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Allison Blod, who is in a totally different part of the world. She's joining us from Sweden, and she's a registered nutritional therapist and beauty therapist who's living in the wilds of Sweden after falling for the charms of a Viking man. Having worked in the health and wellness industry for over 30 years, specializing in menopausal women's health, she now runs her own online clinic, helping women worldwide manage the negative symptoms of menopause. Her mission is to support her clients with bespoke changes to diet, health, and lifestyle so they can harness their hormones and get their confidence and sparkle back. She believes that all women, no matter what age, deserve to reclaim their health and feel great. Life is too short to suffer symptoms that hold you back, and every woman has the right to feel and look amazing, even in midlife. So, Alison, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Dr. Alice. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to be here with you on your podcast today. Yeah. And I'm excited. You know, I was sharing with you a lot of our listeners are in that age of menopause. And we were talking a little bit about the differences in how all that's going between the US and your, you know, in Europe and England before before Sweden. Um, but before, so we might dive into some of that just because I find it fascinating. So I'm sure some other women will as well. But um, before we dive into all that, I'd love to just hear, you know, what's brought you to working like with this segment of the population and what your journey's been. Because it sounds like you've been doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah I have. I've, I've been working with women's health, specifically menopausal health for, for many years now. And it's an area I'm extremely passionate about. And I think my, my journey really started um, when I, I started work. I trained to be an esthetician. Uh, one of the reasons behind that was that I suffered from quite bad acne when I was a teenager which, you know, can be hormonal uh, based. And, and I didn't, I, I felt so lost and, you know, you, you lose your confidence, you've, you've got bad skin. It's a very sensitive time of life as it is when you're a teenager. And it was hormone based and I didn't really get the help that I needed. So I, I then myself became fascinated in hormones and, and why is this happening? And that's what led me into working with uh, menopausal ladies with skin health issues, such as acne, pigmentation, et cetera. And I very soon came to realize that, okay, you can, as an esthetician, you can get results, but you need to work from the inside as well. There, there was always a piece missing. So that's when I went back to university and, and studied nutritional science and, and worked 
you know, as a, a nutritional therapist with menopause or perimenopausal and postmenopausal women to, you know, depending on, on what their uh, symptoms were or how they felt, you know, working very individually, giving them su- the support and the advice that they need to, to really feel better. And I mean, I remember when I was growing up, my mother, my grandmother and, you know, my, my mother's friends, when, when they were going through menopause, you know, it wasn't spoken about. There was this like huge yeah. stigma yeah. attached to it that, you know, oh, no, no, we don't talk about that. Brush it under the carpet, you know, and that, yeah, they really suffered. But it just wasn't an area that was spoken about. And it, it, it was, you know, oh, I think maybe it's to do with, you know, you're not fertile anymore. It doesn't have the yeah. same, um, you know, as puberty, you know, it's the new beginning, isn't it? But it, it's an area that needs to be spoken about more because, I mean, every single woman on the planet will go through it. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to look like we've, made it out to look like like I, I think you're absolutely right there's this kind of with sex life in general for a lot of women that I know there's the stigma like we don't oh we don't talk about that area down there you know like I remember myself I actually got my period when I was nine years old I didn't even know what it was my son is the same age now I just realized that that's really weird <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like and so I grew up in that culture of like you know we don't talk about this stuff and I, I think you're right there's this it's almost like you know, in some ways we feel like we're losing our, our place as a woman and we can no longer enjoy sex or, or all of this that goes along with it. And none of that's actually true. So we can get into all that, but I just thought I'd. Yeah. They say, I mean, it isn't true at all. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's not a disease, is it? So it's a, it's a, t- it's a no. life process. And I mean, when you have gone through uh, perimenopause and menopause and you're in postmenopause, you, you can have 30 plus years left of your life. You know, and that should be a time where you really enjoy yourself and do everything that you want to do and, and have a fantastic life. And I mean, women, as they they come into uh, postmenopause and, and, you know, are older, we're wiser. We've got so much knowledge. I, th- I think older women is so empowering when you see these these women that are, you know, setting up their own companies and, you know, doing really courageous things. It's 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 yeah. really inspiring. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple of menopause conversations on the show. And um, one of the women I interviewed, you know, she talked a lot about the, once we've gone through in menopause, we enter like this age of wisdom and there's in different cultures, it's, you know, women like move into this really revered position, probably more in matriarchal societies so that we have less of in the Western world. <laughs> but, and I, I've, I've met women who have really embraced that and are like, so empowered and just who they are and you know with all the wisdom they have to share with the world and like really just owning that and others who are completely lost and like I don't feel like myself anymore um I don't know where to go yeah. so let's maybe we, we can have the the chat around you know what are the, some of the things because first let's let's define because there is a difference between perimenopause menopause and then postmenopause to some some degree I would say so what what do those terms encompass yeah, the, the first stage um, is called perimenopause. And that on average, it's very different for, for every woman. But mm-hmm. on average, that starts around the age of 45. But it can start earlier. Uh, it, it's very individual. And perimenopause, really, the best way to describe that, it's it's the beginning of where your hormones start to decline. But they don't just suddenly you know, stop. It's like a roller coaster. So they're, yeah. they're all over the place. And that is where 
you can start getting these the classic symptoms. I mean, there are actually over 40 different menopausal symptoms, but things like hot flashes, weight gain, you know, irritability, mood swings, brain flop fog, they're, they're the things that can start just creeping up on you really in perimenopause. And then when you've gone through that, you go into what we call menopause. And, and menopause, menopause basically is when you haven't had a menstruation for a year, then you are actually in menopause and then you're not uh, ovulating anymore. And then all the time after that is basically post-menopause. So that's when you, yeah. you, you, you're not fertile anymore and you're not, you're not, produ- well, you, your body does produce a small amount of estrogen, but you're, you're not producing the same amount of, of sex hormones that you do when you're, you know, pre-menopausal. Yeah. So it's those three stages really that, that in very briefly, I don't know how to describe yeah. the transition. Yeah. I think that's helpful for, I found a lot of women don't even fully grasp like what stage they're in or, you know, that menopause means 12 months without a cycle. I have a couple of clients. They're so mad at me because in working together, their cycle came back at like month 11 and they thought they were finally there. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry, but not really because you weren't ready yet. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's quite frustrating, isn't it? You think, yes, yes, I'm going into menopause and then you have a, you Yeah. But, you know, it's also a sign that like the body just wasn't ready yet. There's still, you know, hormones are still doing their thing. And and we did some healing that allowed that to happen. But, um, and perimenopause, a lot of, you know, I've, I've read some research recently that it can actually be up to 16 years, which I'm sure no one wants to hear that, but we're going to talk about how you live well in, in that time. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so individual really, isn't it? You know, some women just glide through perimenopause and menopause don't really have any symptoms. And then there's, yeah. there's women really really have a tough time with all the symptoms and you know they lose confidence you know you can actually get depressed you know suffering from depression so it's it it can be really tough for for a lot of women Uh, and it can start before the age of 45 absolutely yeah yeah so what have you found in all of your and I'll just ask this and if you don't have a great answer for it that's totally fine but you know in your experience have symptoms been getting more extreme in the recent like in the last you know five to ten years and if so what do you think the reason is behind that or what have you seen I'm just, I'm more curious than anything <laughs> uh, that's a great question because I've thought about that and the answer is yeah the you I've seen over the years how with you know how we live our lifestyles now because it's, it seems like everybody is chronically stressed that's one of one of the yes. big things that I think plays a huge issue in how how we go through the menopause transition, uh, and also the the food that we eat. You know, it's it's just becoming more and more refined, sugary. You know, everything is just so processed. So you know, I've I've seen over the years that you know the because of the food that we eat, the convenience foods that that. And that this is shown in research that a lot of the processed sugary foods trigger off symptoms, uh, uh, especially like, yeah. like hot flashes uh, and weight gain, uh, brain fog and, and everything. And I think, you know, years ago, the, the diet that we ate in, in Europe was, was better. I mean, we ate whole foods. There wasn't so much when I was growing up that we didn't really have processed foods. 
and you know the, that gave you your experience through menopause was was much easier and then stress i mean stress is is a huge huge uh, thing in society and it really because of the stress hormones cortisol in particular when your body's releasing that hormone all the time you know it it triggers off certain things in your body and this can lead to having a worse experience of menopause going back to the hot flashes again weight gain you know it, it it's really detrimental for for everything sleep you know you can't sleep if you're anxious and stressed and i think those are the main things that i've seen that that have become have increased over the years really stress and and the, the foods that we eat and how they've affected our health really yeah I have to be honest, it's almost depressing to hear that about Europe because, you know, the U.S. is like our food guidelines and standards are pitiful, (laughs) put it that way. And Europe is always because I I lived in Europe in 2005. And so, you know, that was there was still, you know, looking back, there was definitely processed stuff, but like there's limits on what it is. But even then it's like, okay, so what, you know, ladies listening, don't get depressed by this. But in the U.S., (laughs) we're also not alone. Right. And this is starting to, to be a. A worldwide thing um yeah it is it's, yeah. it's it's definitely a worldwide thing i mean yeah the you the, the u.s is you know i think in general there's a lot of fast food restaurants and people you know it's it's the the way society is and you tend to eat yep. out yep. more or to get takeaways but i mean it isn't europe's becoming the same it, it, yeah. there's restaurants everywhere there's the you know the processed foods easy convenient doesn't take time to cook, uh, but it's really becoming a, a problem. Not just with you know people going through menopause, or with with people's health in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can trace the, the in the U.S. the top five killers, and we have some of the for those listening. I'm just going to throw this little stat at you because it hasn't changed since I graduated from chiropractic school. I don't know, 15 years ago, but um, the U.S. ranks 37th out of 40 in like overall health of you know, the people who live there. Um, I, I'm not sure where uh, Sweden tends to be actually higher up. I don't know how that's changed in the last few years, but all of our major disease killers, you know, the chronic heart disease, uh, diabetes, all that stuff can be traced back to food and stress. So yeah. these are, yeah, like <laughs> matters for menopause, matters for quality of life in general. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's fascinating as well, which I always, I can really you know, talking about the food environment and you know, why mm-hmm. it is like that. You know, the thing that's so interesting is that we do actually really know what we should be eating. We know yeah. that it's better to eat whole foods and fruit and vegetables, but we just don't do it, do we? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think a lot of it is like we've got a huge uphill battle with in the U.S. And, you know, this might be spilling over to Europe now, too. It's there's a lot of money in the marketing and all the stuff that goes into the cheap food and the not real food. It's it's easier a lot of it has chemicals that make our bodies dependent on it and want more it's you know we're fighting a really uphill battle so this is a fun topic for this like how do we start to impact that what's what's like the first thing we we decide to do to do something different yeah it's 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 difficult isn't it because you know the food giants are so powerful I think it is just, you know, getting the word out there, just really constantly, you know, talking that there are, you can see there's some fantastic functional medicine doctors, uh, especially in the US that are really behind this. And, you know, they're, they're really 
say how it is and you know we shouldn't be eating these foods because they're toxic and you know the obesity epidemic and you know it's just affecting our hormones and and hunger hormones and and everything but it's a it's a difficult one isn't it because there's is so much power behind these big food uh, corporations yeah so we've got that plus you know we all live such fast-paced crazy lives that you know the majority of people are not like we're not prioritizing meals or cooking I even work from home and if I have to cook more than one meal a day I you know it doesn't happen (laughs) I'm just like it's not my favorite thing and I know the importance of it and I know that I feel better when I am eating well and you know I'm still a cycling female so but you know I have less PMS symptoms and less you know crazy mood swings and I've learned quickly that dairy is a great way for me to be really mad at everybody and have a sore throat. So I don't eat it anymore. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, knowing yeah. your body as well, isn't it? And knowing yeah. what, what works for you. But it really doesn't have to, you know, when you think of menopause, perimenopause and menopausal health, it doesn't have to be complicated. Like you, mm-hmm. you were saying that, you know, you, you, you maybe don't have time or you're quite happy cooking one meal a day, but it's just about planning and being realistic and having something in the fridge that you can just grab that's healthy you know you don't yeah. have to cook a huge big luxurious meal every day it's just making sure that you your fridge is full of good healthy things really yeah yeah and you know some of the maybe we can go through I don't know what tips and tricks you have, but some of the things I have my clients do or do myself is like, I'll have a day where I actually chop up a bunch of vegetables and then I squirt a little lemon on them. So they keep, and I can throw them in whatever. Cause if I, you know, when I cook, it's usually some sort of stir fry with meat and veggies and I may or may not have a grain in there. Um, you know, and so you can prep or I cook enough and hope that my house full of teenage boys don't eat it all. <laughs> so that I have, you know, extra for lunches or dinners um yeah it's preparation yeah planning and planning you know what what whether you do it the weekends or just have a day where you plan what you're going to eat for the week ahead so you know that you know on monday i'm going to have roast chicken and salad and then i'm going to have whatever but just having a plan uh, but I can imagine having teenagers in the house must, must be difficult because they're they're constantly hungry, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, constantly. Yeah. To, to eat. So you know, you yeah. really pro- probably have to have a quite a fair amount of food there. I can imagine. Always, yeah, and that you know that's the other thing. Well, and we only have them half the time, but they tend to come by because they all drive. You know, even on the not our weeks, and just like raid our fridge. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know we all have our, our environment that we're in but it's ultimately it's about figuring out what works for you and making the decision that you're going to value and what you put in your body and just like you have to make the commitment that's yeah there's that's no easy way you know you, you have mm-hmm. to want to do it and you have you, like I say it doesn't have to be complicated but you if you want to improve your health and have a uh, a better man- menopausal transition you, you know you have to make that decision and think now I'm going to look after myself now and put my health first yeah. and also lifestyle and mindset you know they all really come into play during this time period but you have to want to do it you've got to yeah. have a little motivation there yeah absolutely and choose to put yourself first this is something I talk about on the show a lot um is the concept that I 
called Selfless Syndrome. And we're at the time we're recording this, I'm rebranding the show to the Selfless Syndrome show. But, you know, we, we've got to get that mindset shift. And I, I do, I see more women in their 40s and 50s in kind of that transitionary period who are recognizing that and, you know, ready to do that. So that's encouraging. No, it's crucial. Me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to put yourself first because no one, you know, women, we're carers, aren't we, women? And I think that mm-hmm. we're so used to looking after everybody else. You know, it's time when you come into midlife and, and into post-menopause that you can actually put yourself first and, and yeah. think about yeah. what you eat and think about your lifestyle and, and movement and exercise and and also mindset that it's very, it's very, I see with my clients, it's very easy during menopause to get into this kind of negative spiral because there's so, there's so much stigma attached to menopause and you think all the symptoms and, oh, it's terrible, but you really have to kind of think of it in a more positive way and, and embrace it in a positive way because it just becomes all so negative if, if you don't really think like that. Yeah, Absolutely. All good. Sorry, I'm just thinking through <laughs> all good things. So with either for yourself or for anyone listening, like it can also be overwhelming, right? To to really like decide to put yourself first and start cooking if you haven't been and, you know, make time for yourself in ways you haven't before. So do you have any recommendations on where you have clients start or like how do you ease, ease people into the process of starting to make some change? Yeah, I work very individually with clients on a one-to-one basis because they, uh, when clients come to me, they have different goals. So it really depends on whether whether it's weight loss or they're exhausted or overwhelmed or stressed. So we really focus in on the, on their goals, and then working with the functional medicine model where you you look at the whole person. So, for example, if you if you're suffering from migraines, you would really get to the root cause of that rather than just saying, okay, you've got a migraine you know, do this. We really want to know why that is happening. And it's fascinating to really go back and look at that person's life and really maybe find the reason why why that's happening. So we do a a very in-depth health analysis and then, you know, put together a nutritional lifestyle program for that person, uh, which they would work on over a three-month period. Some clients I work longer with, it depends on, on your goals. Uh, and then supporting them, that's that's so important. You know, it's difficult to make change, isn't it? We've all got habits that we've had for years and all of a sudden, you know, you think, well, maybe if you like a glass of wine in the evenings, that, that's fine, but that can increase menopausal symptoms like hot flashes. So even just something as simple as maybe not having that every night, it can be difficult to implement. So I really give yeah. them the support every week. We talk every week. You know, we we go through the plan and, and and see how it's working, make adjustments, and then maybe do functional testing if that's needed, d- depending on on the the client. You know, thyroid can come into play during yeah. during menopause, uh, like digestive issues, gut issues. There's there's a lot of different testing you can do for that, and possibly supplementation if needed. I always like to say food first. Um, you know, there might be situations where you maybe would need to take certain supplements if, if you're deficient in, in something. So it's really a whole approach to the whole body and, and giving the person that support that they need because yeah. I don't yeah. want people to feel stressed and over, overwhelmed. It has to be a um, 
like a, a program that fits in with their life. Yes. Yeah. That's huge and key. And I find, you know, a lot of the women I work with are what we would call overachieving type A personalities. <laughs> so, you know, we, we can be driven by this, like, oh no, I need to fix it like right now, like yesterday. And, oh, I'm just going to do everything. And that, you know, it's really a recipe for disaster. You know, you've got to be realistic about what's your life like right now and what can you realistically do to give yourself wins and start, mm-hmm. you know, building that relationship with yourself again. Cause I think by the time we've hit menopause, we've, or perimenopause, we've, maybe been trying to do things that used to work and don't work anymore and have yeah. burnt ourselves out in the process. So recognizing that. Yeah, as well. It could be, it could be really small things like, you know, just drinking more water. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. Just mm-hmm. and people, water, I drink water, but a lot of people don't drink no. as much water as they should. And that yeah. can really make you feel better. Yeah. It's huge. That's actually one of, I, I start with breathing and water, like, learn how to breathe again because most of us have forgotten and drink half your body weight in ounces of water <laughs> yeah brilliant breathing yeah. I think breathing I love that that's it's so crucial especially for stress management yeah yeah and you know for those who are dealing with weight stuff there's a bunch of research now that shows deep breathing actually helps you lose weight mm-hmm. um, by yeah it's mostly by reducing stress but you know all those pathways are connected so yeah no, and it's such an easy thing to do, isn't it? Just to breathe. It doesn't yeah. cost anything and you can do it anywhere. Anywhere, anytime. <laughs> you just have to remember. Yeah, that's that's very, very important. Um, so I because you're in the nutritional world, I'm gonna ask you this question because I get it from a lot of my clients. Are there specific foods that you either want to eat more of or avoid in the perimenopausal time period? Yeah. Okay, if we start with the ones you should avoid, it again, yeah. I mean, it's going back to the sugary. The, the, you should certainly avoid processed sugary foods. You know, really try to reduce sugar. And the reason for that is is the blood sugar balance, one, one of the reasons. You know, you want to get your blood sugar balanced because the uh, hormone called insulin, which regulates blood sugar, you know, you can, as you go into menopause and your um, estrogen levels decline, it can, or it becomes more common that you can become insulin resistant, which means your body doesn't react to insulin like it should. And, and it's due to the decline in, in hormones. So eating these sort of sugary refined foods that shoot your blood sugar up are not good for your overall health. So really cutting out processed foods, alcohol, it's, it's not, I know many of my clients that, you know, I'm, the odd glass of wine's fine. I'm, I'm not saying that, but many of them actually given up drinking because they say it's just not worth the way it makes me feel. Even, even if I just have a glass, you know, I, I, I get hot flashes, I get night sweats, I can't sleep and I feel terrible the next day. So really maybe thinking of reducing alcohol uh, and then caffeine as well is, is a big thing during menopause is, you know, think about the drinks that you're having with caffeine in because they can really stimulate symptoms and also affect your sleep, which can be a problem during during perimenopause. And that you have to watch salt as well in, in, in your diet because blood pressure can go up during menopause, um, cholesterol levels. You know, you really need to think about 
not adding maybe salt on all your food, just just thinking a bit, being a bit more mindful of, of the salt content and how much salt you actually eat. So there's they're the things that some of the things that you should really think about avoiding. And, and there's certain foods that you should eat, you should really eat what we call a Mediterranean style diet. And there's actually research to back this up that that style of diet is is just wonderful for menopausal and overall health and it's actually a very easy way of eating fruits vegetables nuts and seeds uh, all your lovely healthy fats like olive oil uh, avocados coconut oil uh, butter uh, and then you know fish and white meat they, in the mediterranean diet they don't actually eat very much red meat they do eat red meat but very occasionally uh, and then legumes and beans and it's that yeah. way yeah. of eating has is, is been shown to be very, very beneficial. Um, and then really thinking about, you know, bone health, because bone health can can your bones can become less dense when we come into menopause due to estrogen levels. So really making sure that you eat foods that are rich in calcium, vitamin D and vitamin K and crucial for that as well as strength training to keep your bones uh, happy and then there's a lot of different sort I know it must be so overwhelming for people because there's so many different supplements on the market for menopause you know that claim to do this and that when you look at the research there isn't really many (laughs) that can (laughs) backed up by solid research to say that these supplements Mm, it, I mean, phytoestrogens, I've I actually done a fair amount of research on phytoestrogens and, and they've been shown um, like soya and, and flax seeds to, to help manage certain menopausal symptoms. And they are in general very good for you. They, they, they have a similar chemical structure to estrogen um, so that they're not estrogen, but they have that similar chemical structure. Yeah. So I think adding these into the diet really can help to balance out menopausal symptoms and also soya and, and those soya products are, are very good high in calcium so they're very good for bone health as well okay that's actually something i didn't know which is, is interesting mm. and i always I, i'm sure you do too with soy well in the u.s and I, I think this is probably true worldwide like the really cheaply produced crops that are insanely messed with and not good for you are corn soy and wheat for us um so I, but, you know, I love like edamame, which is, I can find organic, like non-GMO, you know, if you can find organic non-GMO soy stuff. Yeah, totally. Then, then eat it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, soy is great, but you have to look at the source of it and make sure that it's yeah. not full of chemicals and, and being uh, genetically modified. Yeah, you have to, you have to be mindful of what you're buying. Absolutely. And one yeah. other thing, yeah. sorry, another crucial thing that I, I should say is protein. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big big thing in in female health in general we don't eat enough protein but you really yeah. need that when, you, when you're coming into menopause for, for muscle strength because we lose uh, or we can lose um muscle and also for for bone health it's like the building blocks of the body protein they say yeah. you you should really eat a palm size of protein with every meal that you eat and that can be in the form of chicken fish you know, whatever you eat, soya products, if you don't eat eat meat. So quality protein. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I end up talking with a lot of women about here, and I'm sure you've 
seen as well because you're working worldwide is we actually have to eat. <laughs> I mean, far too many women who, you know, in an effort because we're our bodies are changing and putting on weight and like all this stuff is happening hormonally. We tend to try to go to the things that have always been taught, which is like eat less, you know, work out more. But that we take it so extreme, it's tanking our metabolism and like creating even more stress on the body. So yeah, it, it doesn't having I mean, meals. Yeah. Backs this yeah. up the the like real restrictive diets, fad diets don't work. Okay, you'll of course you'll lose weight initially if you if you're not taking in any calories and working out all the time. But it's not realistic and it's not sustainable and you will stop doing that and yeah. the majority of the times you put more weight on when you start eating again. So now fad diets it's finding a, a style of eating that suits you that's healthy that you can do every day yep and it's it stops being a diet the favorite definition of diet i've heard recently is did i eat today and i love that like you know, yeah. you're eating to fuel your body that's your diet <laughs> like, yeah eat, eat yeah. nutritious foods i mean and and look after your body it's not it's not nice and it's stressful to to starve yourself. You'll just make yourself in the in the end feel worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really great. Well, in the interest of I I try to keep these at a time that everyone can consume them in one, <laughs> one sitting. But is there anything we haven't hit on, you know, just to kind of recap for everyone? We've talked a lot about stress and kind of what the stages of menopause and perimenopause, postmenopause are you know, some of the, the things you can do, how you should really be fueling your body with food. Is there anything else that we would like to share in wrapping up? Um, yeah, I think we've spoke about bone health, which is, is a crucial thing. And there's there's yeah. a few other areas that you really have to, because a lot of people, which I totally understand, you know, you're very focused on the symptoms that you're having at the moment, which is totally understandable. But bone health is something that we really need to look after you know, in post-menopause, and that, that's really crucial, but also heart health, uh, gut health, and brain health, because that they're all things, you know, it all goes back to the the, the estrogen, you know, estrogen receptors yep. we have all over the body, and, and when the estrogen starts to decline, it, it affects every area of the body, and heart disease uh, goes up as, as we get older as women, Um and, you know, brain health, making sure that you're eating all the wonderful healthy fats and the omega-3 oils to, to keep your brain in, in, in good condition. And then, then gut health, looking after your microbiome, which is your gut bacteria with fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, all those, all those wonderful what we call probiotics, which are the good bacteria that, that live in, in the digestive tract. And there's loads of research on that now. So we're really starting yeah. to understand how, how important that is for, you know, it's not just gut, the, the gut brain connection and, and, and even skin now is you have your own microbiome on the skin. So it's eat those uh, fermented foods, sauerkraut's easy to make at home and, and kimchi yeah. and tempeh and whatever, whatever you like. Yeah. And just finding a way to make it work for you. But yeah. No, all, all really great. Um, so how can our listeners connect with you if they want more Alison yeah. in their life? 
The best or the easiest way is, is through my website, and that's alisonblard.com. And on the website, I have a resources page where there's lots of free downloads, ebooks, like for example, the Mediterranean diet that we were talking about. There's a there's a meal plan and shopping list and recipes there just to give you to get you going, really, to give you an idea of of, of good meals to eat during perimenopause and menopause. Uh, and there's things on skin health and, and lots of delicious recipes. So, you know, feel free to go there and, and download anything you wish. And then I'm on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, you can just, you can find me under Alison Blard. And I'll, I'll put links to all that in the show notes. Um, thank you. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us from Sweden. I know when we're recording this, it's later in the evening for you. So I appreciate <laughs> taking the time. No, it's I'm lovely to talk to you, uh, Dr. Alice, and uh, d- don't worry. It's, I think what well, it's about 8.30 here now, so it's not that late. But, yeah, it's okay. been lovely talking to you. Thank you. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Selfless Syndrome Show. I truly couldn't make this show if it weren't for you, my amazing, lovely, and loyal listener. I so appreciate the emails, the shout outs, the shares, and the reviews, all of which inspire me and motivate me to keep coming back to the mic week after week in order to provide high quality content that helps you find that elusive thing called balance and really build the life, career, and body you are worthy of. I have one little request. If you have benefited from this show in any way, I would so appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and review the show. You can leave a five-star review, leave an honest review. This really helps us get in front of more amazing listeners just like you and keep growing our mission to help women leaders around the world build the life, career, and body they are worthy of. Mm